Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. BWI is live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Welcome. Hopefully, you're watching Penn State basketball. You've got us on on your phone or something. You got the, the TV muted so you can double dip of Penn State sports. And it's triple dip today because we got a very special guest, uh, a longtime member of the BWI Daily Edition. Uh, he hasn't been on in a bit, and I'm super excited Greg Pickle's coming back because there's all kinds of stuff, news, information, facts. We need to get them to you, and he's the guy to do it, the intrepid reporter, all reporters are intrepid because that's what you say in front of the uh, reporter, but he's the most intrepid. That's coming up on the BWI Daily Edition. We're previewing Penn State football for the spring and a big match, a dual meet coming up at the BJC between number one and number two in wrestling. That's today on the BWI Daily Edition. We're live. Welcome back. Good to see you, buddy. Hope everyone out there is doing well. Hope you are doing well. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. How is everything in your world and uh, what's going on in the Greg Pickle household? We are cruising right along, T. Frank. It's been a busy January for Penn State football and Penn State wrestling, of course. It's funny because during this month and the next few that will follow, we'll write and say the word offseason about 150 to 175,000 times. And as everyone well knows, uh, there's only a few periods on the calendar when Penn State football and Penn State news in general truly take some time off. So it's been good. Uh, glad to be back from California and rolling along here with the transfer portal closed now for the first time. And obviously the second signing day coming up. There are plenty of things to talk about in the football world, outside of the football world, certainly about Penn State. Yeah, and we're going to be getting into a lot of that discussion today. As people are taking their seats, they're getting their popcorn, and they're settling in for the live show. Just want to remind people of a couple things, the housekeeping we take here at the top of the show. First off, we are 200 people shy of 10,000 subscribers, and I'll do anything for you guys to get us to 10,000, like shave my beard, shave my head, I don't care. Um, we'll, we'll do the show live on location from outside. I don't know. Whatever it is, let's get to 10,000. Please like the video and subscribe to Blue White Illustrated. Liking the video lets people know, hey, this, uh, this show doesn't suck. And uh, it lets people on the YouTube algorithm know, hey, uh, people want to watch this. Also, subscribe, like I said, and uh, we'll be taking your questions today. So Greg is here. Make sure you got your best questions ready. And if you want to donate to the channel uh, to get your question to the top of the queue, uh, all the better. We got Steven, who's always here. He is super generous. Yay, more reporting. You got a fan in Steven Light. So we're off to a hot start with Steven, Greg. Awesome. Good. Well, it's good to see you, Steven. Good to see everybody else that's here tonight. And uh, T. Frank, I know we have a lot to get to. We do. So we've got some things that we're going to talk about. There's some pre-planned things. But if again, if you've got a question, you got a comment, Penn State football, Penn State wrestling, which we'll get to at the end, um, you know, let drop your question, drop your comment in the chat. The first thing is you wrote about Hunter Norzad over at the uh, site this week. And I was very interested in that story because I think in the conversation about Penn State uh, football, 
the optimism of the offensive line is is I, I, taken for granted, maybe. And the examination of Norzad moving from guard to center, you wrote about that, the internal view of everything from Penn State football. So what, was, what did you find when you dug into that conversation? Well, T. Frank, first things first, I can't really recall the last time we've had a, a start to a new year, basically, uh, which is what we're in here with January and the season. Uh, you know, we'll be fast approaching before we know it, but I can't remember such big optimism for the offensive line uh, in the James Franklin era and probably even before that going into a season. I mean, there's been a lot of years of hope and uh, high expectations and high beliefs and all that kind of stuff. But right now it kind of all is melted together in a way that I think Penn state and its fans feel very good about, not just the starting five, but the depth that they have. One reason for that, of course, is that many guys can play various positions. Hunter North, that of course is one of them. Uh, it seems to me like they feel really good about him being able to move inside. One of the most interesting parts of that story that we had at blueoilillustrated.com was Drew Scruggs talking about how fast he was and that he was clocked at one point running at 19 miles an hour. Drew Scruggs said he's never seen an offensive lineman run that fast. He said his numbers were in the 17 range. So uh, certainly Hunter Norzad has speed. He has long enough arms to play center. I don't think that's a concern. Obviously, when you put someone in the position of having to know the snap count, snap the ball, recognize the opponent and what they're doing pre-snap, and then deal with blocking an enormous defensive tackle across the line post-snap. Uh, it's It says it's one thing to say you can do it, and it's another thing to actually go do it. So that'll be the next step for Norzad. But they feel good about where he is at this point. They feel like they got a lot out of him this season, and obviously he's one of many guys back with starting experience, and it's going to be in a different position this year, but a lot of people are optimistic about how it's going to work. Are you optimistic that uh, Hunter Norzad is going to be a good center. Drop your opinion in the chat, um, and we'll uh, the most thoughtful answers will make it on the show. Um, it, it is interesting the way that Mike Gersich phrased it of not just blocking the nose tackle, but the variety of different things you've got to do as the center, the variety of responsibilities. Uh, it seems like a guy who came from Cornell should be able to handle those things from a mental standpoint, right? I mean, right. is that the, the vibe you got from them as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think that part of it's going to be an issue. It's going to be whether the physical part of it holds up and whether he can, again, make a clean snap and then get out of his stance, recognize who he needs to block and actually block that person all in uh, and obviously a very short amount of time. So, I mean, I, I think we saw him get some snaps at center. I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say he had around 20 this season, including yeah. some in the Rose Bowl. And so that was obviously a good thing for Penn State to get him some experience there. But, you know, the times of the game when he got Got those snaps was not typically against the first team uh, defense. And if it was, uh, it was not the best version of a defense that he's going to face because Penn State was up so big that it felt comfortable taking out Drew Scruggs. And that was likely in November at one point or another. And I think some of his reps came against Ohio as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think that the biggest thing, obviously, is there were times this year when we saw his physicality shine through in a bad way. And there were times this year when I think we saw maybe slightly bigger opponents be able to take advantage of him a little bit when it comes to just initial push off the ball. So that's my biggest concern, I think, is can he, again, do all those things and then get ready and make his block and do so successfully, whether it's against a, a pass rush or uh, in a running scenario. So, you know, there's no reason to doubt that he can do it right now, T. Frank. But again, until you see him do it against West Virginia and consistently once Big Ten play starts, you know, uh, that is one area there's going to be a question mark, even though you much rather prefer going into a season like Penn State did a year ago with a guy starting at center for the first time. But has experience starting in the interior of an offensive line as yeah. opposed to just going at it cold. Yeah, and and 
there's a lot of stuff that happened last year that I think plays into that conversation too. Not just the injuries, uh, you know, Norzad also was dealing with an injury and right. they didn't have enough depth to play anybody else at center. Uh, you know, as much as it was that they needed, uh, you know, they wanted to get him those reps playing at left guard. They, they didn't want to play JB Nelson and burn his red shirt. So a lot of factors into that conversation. What do you, what do you think uh, of the likelihood that this works out? Uh, what your personal assessment of it? Where do you land on that spectrum that you outlined? Yeah, I would call it above average, T. Frank. I really would. I, I would be surprised if this didn't work. Now, look, I mean, again, we there. It's not like we saw Hunter Norzad grade out perfectly this season, right? It's not like we saw him play a hundred percent of the time perfect, and that's not. No one has, of course. So that's an unfair bar to even set or mention. But my point being is that we did see some things pop up during the year, and you've documented it some. I know many of our, our readers and listeners and fans have as well. Uh, you know, have documented some of the struggles he's had this year. Again, sometimes he was just bound pushed backwards or not where he yeah. needed to be. And that could be a concern when he's uh, going to be facing in all likelihood, even bigger or just as big offensive line or a uh, defensive lineman rather in 2023. So do I expect it to work out for Penn state? Yes. And do they have every reason to feel good about it working out? Yes. But at the same time, you know, again, there are some concerns. I think he could improve strength wise a little bit this off season and otherwise that uh, would help him in that uh, regard uh, for this season as we move into it. We got a couple of comments here in the in the chat. Uh, again, if you want to get a question into Greg, you want to get your opinion on the topic here, make sure you, you drop your comment in the chat. We're talking about Hunter Norzad. Is he going to make a good center? Uh, it's interesting to me that we – did we have this conversation about Juice Scruggs last season? Because Juice played uh, guard and, and then moved to center for the first time in his career. He had been snapping, and you know I know we had the, that conversation with him this year uh, about how – he had been snapping the whole time. They kind of get you ready for it if they think you can play center. That uh, we, we didn't really have that conversation about juice that I remember, but I do think that the, the importance of this year specifically, I think to me, is driving a lot of the conversation about this of, okay, the offensive line looks like it's going to be great. So where are the question marks? Where are the things that might uh, be a problem? And now we, we bring up this with Norzad. Something interesting here, though, a couple of the comments. Kreiner says, might take Norzad a couple weeks, but thankfully he doesn't have to be amazing week one for us to be successful. And Michael McCollum says, probably doesn't hurt to have a JV preseason schedule if you're going to make a move like this. They play a Power 5 team out the gate, right? Like, I know it's West Virginia, and people have varied opinions on West Virginia, but that's not nobody. What's your view of kind of the, the schedule out the gate and where the team needs to be to start? Yeah, I mean, he better be ready for week one. I know West Virginia is not going to be a top 25 team to start the year, but they have some players. They have more talent than I think uh, their record may have indicated uh, this past season. They were five and seven, uh, three and six in conference play. Um, so obviously not the year that Neil Brown and, and West Virginia uh, thought they were going to have. But, I mean, they do uh, – they are pretty uh, pretty experienced, I think, T. Frank, up front, at least at, for the most part they are, and, they're, you know, based on what we know about, uh, you know, their roster at this moment in time anyway. So, I mean, I think that they're going to like where they're at uh, when they get into the season. They have some size and experience up front. So Penn State and Hunter Norzad are going to have to be ready for that game. I know it's at Beaver Stadium. I know that West Virginia, obviously, uh, again, is not uh, the most powerful program someone's going to face in week one, but they're still a power five school. They're still a team that has had um, success over the years. And then week three, uh, you play Illinois at Illinois. Yeah. So you have the walkover against Delaware. 
And I realize that, but Illinois just had a very good season. Yes, they lost a lot, including their very good defensive coordinator to Nebraska. But I think Brett Bielma has that team going in the right direction. I think that that's a obviously not just a winnable game for Penn State, but one that it will win. But, you know, when we start doing the whole like what, you know, uh, the whole what game could trip Penn State up early conversation. Uh, Illinois is certainly one yeah. of them on the road out of the gate. And then you face Iowa, uh, a team obviously that is known for having plenty of big body guys as well uh, right after that. Yeah. So it is. I, I make I, it a point to not yeah. know the schedule, Greg. So that just didn't hit me right because I knew West Virginia was first week of the season and I get into it after that. But other than Delaware, I mean, they play UMass after four, uh, three Big Ten games. So. Uh, it's yeah. going to be, that's going to be an interesting September. A couple other comments here in the chat. <laughs> Michael comes back with keep that beard until 20,000. I, I can't keep this beard for two years. <laughs> that's, I, I don't know how long it'll take us to get to 20,000. I'm trying to get us to 10,000. So appreciate the support though. And obviously you can see here, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, Michael has a phenomenal beard that mine would be, uh, proud to be at some point in, in its lifetime. It, he's got one of those beards for people. This is great for the, 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 uh, the podcast medium michael has a beard that i can only describe as gandalf level glorious so that would be that that's coming from an expert in beards brian says great work guys for the o-line curious about vega Yuane. guy's a monster and seems like he should play and what about right tackle shelton and wallace at center as a veteran i i i i struggle to get there with you brian greg the what challenges of moving your right tackle to center uh, to compete, I would assume, with Hunter Norzad. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to the very, very long conversation that's been had by Penn State fans here in the chat. Uh, you've had it here on the show over and over. We've had it on the Lions Dead message board. Of course, our front page story to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. But look, Penn State thinks Caden Wallace is a tackle. And I think this whole idea that has gone on for at least two years now, if not longer, that he needs to move back inside to guard and all Penn State needs is a couple of better tackles and they'll move him back to guard. It just doesn't seem to be based in reality at this point. I mean, it's been brought up before. Mike Yersich has been, been asked to talk about it. Phil Troutwine has been asked to talk about it. And they see Caden Wallace as a tackle. So I don't think he's going back to guard. I definitely don't think he's going to center. I think this is Hunter Norzad's job at this point. T. Frank, Nick Dawkins will be back healthy and, you know, Obviously, when you mention uh, Vega, he's a guy who I'm sure they're cross training as well because he can play yeah. any number of spots. But, you know, the, the tackle battle between Shelton and Wallace will be fascinating. And I'll at least allow the entertainment of the idea that if Shelton decidedly beats out, uh, you know, Caden Wallace for that white right tackle job, then is it going to be uh, maybe that is that the only thing that would force Caden Wallace back inside? I guess it's not out of the question, but yeah. again, you have Hunter Norzad and Sal Wormley back inside is two of your guard spots. So I think you feel pretty good about your situation there. And, you know, overall, I just think that that position battle plays out at right tackle and the loser of it is unfortunately the second team guy at right tackle. I'm not really sure if I see any more shuffling at that spot. Anything's possible. And certainly yeah. during spring practice, they're going to be able to evaluate a lot of this stuff, but you know, either without, there's no question that uh, you know, if that move is going to happen, it's certainly not one that's being telegraphed right now. Yeah. And it's not like they haven't played two tackles before. I mean, they have made it a, a habit of playing Bryce Efner, and, right. and if they view a guy as a starter, Hunter Norzad at guard was a guy that they were planning on shuffling between guard and center throughout the year and getting him experience at all those positions. Right. But 
injuries were a problem. Caden Wallace goes down. Bryce Neffner becomes your tackle. But they were playing two guys at that position last year. I don't see any reason why if Shelton earns that place like like Effner did, that they wouldn't be able to do that in, in a similar fashion. Right. And that's kind of the, the point about this offensive line next year. And I know we have a couple people that are wondering how good is the offensive line going to be, even in the chat right now. That's one of the things that we did. Greg said at the beginning, we're going to be talking about that all off season long. Bluewhiteillustrated.com is the place for you to go and check out what we're seeing, the things that we're talking about, we're writing, and our insight into those things. I did a roster reset for the offensive line earlier uh, last week, I think it was. You can check that out. Uh, plus content, by the way, at On3, Blue White Illustrated at On3. You can sign up right now, $29.99 to sign up. It's the, the place to be to get all the information, to get all the facts, get all Greg's reporting on a ton of different things, and it's totally worth it. And if that's too much for you, you can always subscribe here for free and like the video. One thing we got to get to, though, Greg, is RogueShop.com, the official sponsor of the BWI live show. I love how much this, this uh, company has supported us, and I hope you support them as well because I believe in their mission. Their mission is to help people with holistic, natural means so that you're not pumping yourself full of chemicals and pharmaceuticals to alleviate underlying symptoms. Uh, RogueShop.com is a husband and wife, small batch cannabis farm specializing in uh, sustainable plant medicine. Now, I've talked to you a bunch about the THC gummies, which help me wind down. If you can't notice, I, I, I'm a very high energy dude. It doesn't always dissipate. And if you need help going to sleep, you, you suffer with, you know, racing thoughts at the end of the day and you need something to help you naturally unwind, you can use those. The CBD uh, uh, products as well. They have hot cocos. They have lollipops. They have different ways that you can ingest this stuff. And with CBD specifically, it is known to reduce inflammation in the body, which inflammation is one of the worst things that can happen to your body. So uh, if you want to fight that in a natural way while supplementing it with Western medicine, don't want to seem like we're crazy here. Uh, rogueshop.com and if you use the promo code BWI for 10% off you can uh, let them know you came from the live show help support our local uh, our, our show sponsors and you get yourself 10% off so rogueshop.com to uh, help everybody out including Greg Gre right Greg totally that's right you buddy out. 100% yes Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so the portal window is now closed. This is the first year with these windows, and it's interesting how... Uh, this was an ongoing conversation during this time last year of is Penn State going to get some defensive ends, the Murphy twins? Is it going to be uh, are they going to be able to find a guy to come in at receiver? And all of those conversations kind of just kept going. Now we have very clearly defined times when all of this is happening. The first portal window has closed and you did something earlier this week taking a look at the second one needs to address. Obviously, defensive tackle is the place to start. So what's your assessment of that situation? And when is the next portal window for people? Let them know kind of what to expect. 
Yeah, so the first one was 45 days starting December 5th, and it ran till last Wednesday, so six days ago today. Uh, it closed, and then now you're going to see guys in entering the trans- transfer portal still, so I want to address that real quick, T. Frank. So Micah Bones, for example, the former Penn State quarterback who went to Oklahoma last offseason, he is now back in the portal, and you might have found yourself saying today, if you saw that, well, wait a second, I thought he already transferred, and I thought the transfer portal window closed. What only closes for undergraduates, so guys who are graduate uh, that have their degrees are able to go in at any point in time. So that's why he's able to in there and do that. We'll see where he ends up. Obviously, he didn't see, uh, I don't think, any time this year at Oklahoma. If it did, it was extremely limited. So uh, time will tell on that. But, you know, I think Penn State did a nice job in the first window with getting two receivers. Obviously, it's brought in some specialists as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think defensive tackle is a big glaring need left on the board. Cornerback was already addressed with Storm Duck who, of course, is on campus. So, you know, I look at defensive tackles, a spot that, and defensive end really is a spot Penn State might be looking to uh, add some a body or some bodies to uh, in the second window, May 1 through 15. But, you know, the issue is, again, we've seen this happen time and time again. For every Arnold Abichetti or Derek Tangelo or Chop Robinson, you know, there's 20 other defensive linemen that go in and they are highly coveted and they, you know, want to, most of them play or come from the South and they want to stay or go, you know, play in the South. So you're having a hard time getting them to visit Penn state or elsewhere. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't think Penn state's defensive end room is in all that bad of shape with Smith Vilbert back with Adisa Isaac back with chop Robinson back. I can certainly understand why they'd want to add somebody there, but I don't think it's a necessity. Defensive tackle is a little bit of a different story. You know, you lose P.J. for there. Who's your next big body guy that's going to take over and dominate? Is it Devon Ellis? Is it Kozai Izzard? We've seen flashes from these guys. Not necessarily given the opportunity for sustained production, but they also haven't forced for it or pushed for it either necessarily, yeah. or at least uh, in the eyes of the coaching staff they have. Do you, so, think, do you think, I want to say uh, quickly, because this is something that I've gone back and forth on in, in my own mind. Is it necessary in Manny Diaz's defense to have a guy that is that run stuffer because they are all over the place, right? So they move around. They're never they rarely are in the same gap where they line up pre-snap. So the value of it clearly Penn State's looking for a defensive tackle. But is it just a guy that is kind of what we've been outlining or what do you think they would find and take in the portal? Yeah, I mean, I think they take just about anything at this point. I don't think it has to be a enormous run-stuffing defensive tackle, someone who's 330 pounds or 320 pounds and yeah. just eats space. I don't know that Manny Diaz necessarily uh, demands that in his defense or has to have it, at least based on, you know, has to have more of that than what's already on the roster. But I just think that that is one position group where you could use another body. I really do. I mean, you look at the roster. I'm going to pull it up right now just so I don't uh, misspeak here, but it's a position group that they've had some wins there in uh, the regular high school recruiting realm, but maybe not as many as you would expect. Here's a list of defensive tackles on Penn State's roster right now. Devon Townley Jr., who, of course, is coming back and moving inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zane Durant, Hakeem Beeman, Jordan Vandenberg, Caleb Artiste, Devon Ellis, Koziah Izzard. Artiste is 315. Yep. None of the rest of those guys top uh, 300 pounds right now. Now, Ellie's is 295, Izzard's 292. It's not like they're that far away. But, right. I mean, that's just a scary number generally at defensive tackle. I mean, let's count them. Two, four, six, seven. Uh, you're going to probably rotate. You know, obviously, you're going to start two and probably play at least two more. So, you know, you're talking about some guys taking a pretty big step forward in terms of the role they're going to be asked to play this season. Are yeah. they ready for it? 
I think, again, there's been flashes, especially from Zane Duran, Hakeem Beeman, Kaziah Izzard, and Devon Ellis, that they are ready for that next step. But at the same time, um, you know, it's a big, big ask, and there's no longer P.J. Mustard there to help fill up a lot of the gaps or clean up a lot of the problems. So it makes yeah. sense why Penn State's looking there. And it's interesting because the the one of the biggest gaps he's leaving is is the leadership gap, and he had right. such a presence about him that I think even media members could feel that. You don't always get that, but you know the leaders we talked about and the stories written about the this last group of players that have been moving on. Um, it was it was a real thing. It was a, there was a gravitational force around a guy like PJ Mustafer. The guys behind him. Um, you know, the, the evidence that we have both Izzard and, uh, and Hakeem Beeman, hopefully they've grown up a little bit. Both have been, uh, not played during portions of the season for reasons that were not disclosed to the media. And, uh, you've got Devon Ellis, who's been a stable force, but has never really taken that next step as a, as a presence, as you've, you've mentioned a couple times, then you got right. some young guys. And Caleb Artis, very raw coming out of high school. Zane Durant is a unique talent. And I'm just curious how this puzzle piece fits together. I know you and I have texted back and forth about if they do move guys around. And and part of what I'm wondering is, will they play two separate positions? Or will they go to a different way of you know, separating defensive tackles into a more even spacing? But the guys I'm looking at, this conversation, I guess, w- w- my assessment is they're going to have to get lucky in the transfer portal. It's going to have to be kind of a, right. you know, Derek Tangelo or Chop Robinson situation where they, they just get this guy surprise. Great. We weren't expecting it, but it's going to have to work out like linebacker did last year where they right. went in. We talked about this comment. We talked about this as a need. They don't find it in the portal, but they get what they needed from that Mike linebacker position this year to win 11 games. Um, the guys I'm looking at uh, Jordan Vandenberg, I think he needs to take a step this year. He's a physical, strong player, and uh, he can be, I think, that run-disrupting presence. It might not be the same way. And then Izzard's the guy that I'm really interested in. Do you think he can be that guy at 290, or is he more of the Hakeem Beeman but bigger in your mind? Yeah, that's a good question, T. Frank. I'm very curious. It's a better question to answer, I think, once we see what these guys look like on the updated roster after winter uh, workouts. If he can put the weight on over the next couple of months here, yes, I think he can play that role. Do I think he can play it at the weight he was at? Uh, that we saw last season, I just don't know. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that, again, it's probably not out of the question for him to put the weight on and do it, but I'm just not sure if, in the current state of his body if he can do that. So, no, he's, I think, the guy most people are fascinated to see what he does this offseason. You mentioned that, you know, again, there's been some ups and downs along the way for him. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, to go back to the portal part of it quickly, uh, you know, the best part about these guys that you've mentioned already is that they were here for spring practice. And yep. whoever you get is not going to be here for spring practice. And it just makes you question why that player is moving on. Did he not have a choice to leave uh, during the first window, either because he didn't graduate yet or something like that? Or was it he thought he was going to be able to win a job on his current team and realized he couldn't, and well, that makes you wonder if he couldn't do it at his current school. What? How is he going to do it at Penn State? So, are you just bringing in a guy for depth, or are you bringing in somebody who uh, could potentially be a starter? So, there's a lot of questions to answer. The portal can be tough when it comes to evaluating T. Frank, at least in my yeah. opinion, because yeah, yeah. you're trying to, I think, uh, you're trying to make a case that you know fresh scenery and past talent and past exploits or whatever you want to call it. Uh, is going to make a positive impact on the Penn State program. But 
I'm always just left with the lingering thought of, well, why didn't he just continue doing that as a current school if that's going to be the case? So, you know, I think when you look at some of these guys, I think that, you know, whether it's coaches that left or whether it's Mm -hmm. uh, just the opportunity to play for a more prestigious place and a better record, I think comes into it. But sometimes, like, you know, I think – uh, Malik McLean's a great example of this. I mean, yeah, there's talent. Like, you know, he. I, this is not an a, a exact linear uh, straight line comparison, but I feel like Penn State fans are viewing him much in the same way Florida fans probably viewed Justin Shorter when he came right. to Florida yeah. out of the portal, just in the sense of former highly regarded recruit, big guy, has shown some things, but has not shown what everyone expected him to. And so, again, that's not exactly a one-to-one comparison, but there is some of that going on. And obviously, Justin Shorter did some nice things at Florida, but I'm not sure he ever reached the potential uh, that many thought he could. So yeah. we'll see how it all plays out. That was not the point of this conversation. But long story short, I think they could use a defensive tackle. We'll see if they can find one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, defensive tackle still a need on a team that has a lot of talent and a lot of potential and is everyone's favorite dark horse. I don't know if you can be a favorite dark horse and still be a dark horse, but Penn State is filling that role right now in right. the national media. Paul Snyder, he's here in the chat. If you want to get your questions or your comments on the channel, we're talking about the transfer portal. Does Penn State need a defensive tackle? Give us your thoughts on the show. Uh, Paul Snyder says, thanks for your commitment to the program, gentlemen. Always uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, for your commitment to the show and being here all this January news has me worn out, which I think Greg can, can uh, relate to that. I I know I certainly can. Can we expect uh, more developments into February? The portal window, like we talked about is closed, but commitments, other guys that are already in there can still make a decision. How are you looking at February knowing that from a news perspective, it is more of a downtime, essentially more regularly. Yeah, I mean February is program building month, right? So we might hear, you know, we might have a signing uh, during the early, or I'm sorry, the late signing day, which is on February 1st. So it's next Wednesday. Could have that to deal with. I imagine uh, Marcus. Uh, we're going to meet him at some point, the new receivers coach. So I think that that's obviously something to to keep an eye out for in February. But otherwise, it's a program building month. There's no recruiting travel. There's no prospects on campus. It is all about being in that building, fine-tuning things from the season that was, getting guys ready for the season that's coming, preparing for spring practice, uh, welcoming that new assistant into the fold. Yes, of course, there'll be, I'm sure, some maybe some support staff uh, additions or subtractions, what have you, and there'll be a lot of, obviously, recruiting going on, even though the, the recruits can't visit. But yet, T. Frank, as a program building one, so things will slow down significantly once we get to that point next week. Michael is back. He and his glorious beard want to know, fellas, do you see Hagen's as a bigger win in high school recruiting portal or development? Of course, uh, Marcus Hagen's the new wide receivers coach. Greg, what do you think as far as what he brings to the table for the Nittany Lions? Yeah, I mean, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, number one, I think we can you can draw assumptions about how a guy is going to be as a recruiter, either in the portal or the the high school realm. But until you see him actually do it with a Penn State polo on, I, I, I am just leery to draw too many conclusions about how successful or not successful a guy can be. We just know how different recruiting is now than it's ever been before. And when you take a step up in in tier, which is what he's doing here by going from Virginia to Penn State, sometimes that makes guys better recruiters. If they were really good before but couldn't close deals because they were at a smaller school and lost out to a bigger one, 
uh, then that obviously impacts you. But some guys, it goes the other way, and they were able to recruit the level of prospect that they were trying to get to the school they were at, and they can't do it now. So all signs point to him being a tremendous relationship builder, a tremendous recruiter, a tremendous coach. So I have really little doubt that he's going to be successful in both the portal and the high school ranks when it comes to recruiting, obviously deep ties to the Tidewater region in Virginia. I'm sure some other places as well, but you know, development to me is a big deal. Again, when you talk about what he's done at Virginia, yes, uh, if you're only judging the hire based solely on how many guys he's put into the NFL, it's an underwhelming number, right? That's yeah. a, I mean, it's not, I think it's one. So, and, you know, drafted at least his mother drafted. guys in there yep. undrafted, but, yep. uh, you know, but you know, when you look at the kind of players he brought in, what he turned them into at Virginia in terms of where those players rank all time in Cavaliers lore, and then also how good they played at the college level. Uh, he's taken some guys that I don't think many people had high hopes for and turned them into really productive college receivers. So feels a lot like Taylor Stubblefield in that regard, where, there was a lot of optimism about his development abilities, and I think that the same the same thing applies here. Um, but, you know, again, uh, we can sit here and, and project what we think it's going to look like, and that's, of course, what we do in January. But if the guys aren't making improvements in September and October, uh, we're going to feel completely different about the comments we've made now then, so one way or yeah. the other. Um, so he has his work cut out for him, no doubt about it. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith is back, and he's shown at times he can maybe be the leader of this receiver's room, maybe not. There's a lot of inexperience in that room and, of course, adds two transfers now. So he has his work cut out for him, and he has a lot of guys who – I think the biggest thing, T. Frank, is – he has a lot of guys who each have their own issue that's keeping them from taking a bigger role so far. Yeah. And so he's going to have to spend a lot of time fixing those individually. It's not like there's one blanket thing that, you know, uh, goes over and covers this entire room. It's not really the case in my mind. There's each guy you can point to for the most part and say, this is why he hasn't played more. That's why he hasn't played more. And some of it's obviously age and experience and things like yeah. that, but some of it's consistency and some of it is skill and talent development. And mm -hmm. whether it's clearing mental hurdles, whether it's not consistently catching the ball, whatever it is, uh, he has a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about that. So he better be able to develop talent. I, I don't think there's any question that James Franklin knows what he needs and went out and found so many things can do the job. So we'll see how it plays out. He has a pretty darn good track record so far hiring assistant coaches, Steve Frank. Yeah, and, and I would say since the, the last round of James Franklin contract conversations, uh, we've seen a little bit more of what he was planning on doing the first time around, right? So the some of the hires over time we've had the conversation of resources is Penn state all in blah, 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 blah. All the times that Nate and I've spent long hours here on the show discussing and getting into the inner workings of all of those things. Yeah. When he's had the resources to go get the guys he's want, he wants, I think you've, you make a good point that he has, he's done a good job of finding and identifying talent on the coaching side, not just on uh, the, the player side. And if you want to get more of our thoughts on biscuit is his nickname, biscuit Hagas Hagen's uh, check out our break news video from Monday, which was only yesterday, <laughs> which somehow it doesn't seem like that uh, here on our Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Also, the recruiting show, they they took a deep dive into his recruiting ties into Virginia and how he can help Penn State in a very talent rich area, even though they've already been doing great in Virginia. Apparently, there's more to give from that state. So go check out all that information on the previous uh, BWI Daily Edition. 
So it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, Kevon Lee finally made his declaration to the world after being incredibly vague on the internet for several weeks building up to he is transferring. How do you feel about the running back situation first? And then secondly, how do you evaluate the, um, the zero sum, if you want to make it that way, of lost and gained in the transfer portal? How did Penn State do in your mind there? Yeah, I, I think they were they fared just fine, T. Frank. I mean, obviously, look, you know, there's still one scholarship over by our unofficial projection count at 86. So there's going to have to be more movement, especially if they pick up uh, Chimney Odo, the, uh, the three-star offensive lineman from Maryland next week uh, on the late national signing day. So, you know, the movements aren't over yet. But at this point, I feel like they have fared fairly well. Uh, you know, they've lost, uh, you know, obviously, Kevon Lee's a guy who, did some nice things at Penn State, but was clearly passed on the roster, and that was not going to change. Would you love to have him around as a veteran presence? Yes. At the same time, did you win 11 games and he only played in five of them? Yes. So I think you can yeah. feel pretty good about things moving in the right direction there, uh, even without him. But other than that, I mean, a, a startling little amount uh, was lost to the transfer portal for Penn State in terms of actual on-field production. I mean, I think the one guy that they saw move on that I would have liked to see more of was Jamari Budim. He's a yeah. guy that, you know, I think if if here another year uh, maybe ends up with a bigger role, T. Frank, than what he had uh, beforehand. But other than that, I mean, when you look down the list, who do you say who do you, who does who stops you and says, oh, man, uh, you know, that one hurts. That one yeah. stings. I mean, I'm just going to pull it up here and run it down real quick. But there's just no one to me, T. Frank, on the list that just again, it makes you think to yourself, oh, man. You know, Penn State is really finding itself in a bind at this yeah. point. I mean, Christian Bayou, okay, uh, Kevon Lee. But that's kind of comfort, right? So right. those those guys, that's that's kind of a buffer. It's not necessarily those guys were productive and excellent last season specifically, because I know Kevon right. uh, gave a lot to the program the previous two years. But both those guys are just you have a guy. And and now you don't have a guy, but you don't know what you were really getting from Veyer to begin with. So yeah, I, I think you make a, a really good point there. But I interrupted you. What were the uh, the the just refresh everybody the other names on that list? Yeah, so I mean, I'll just run it down real quick. Uh, Christian Veyer, uh, Kevon Lee, Jaden Dotton, Malik McNeil, uh, Michael Wright, who was a walk-on long snapper, Rodney McGraw, Fatorma Marvel, Jamari Budin, Cody Romano, Marquise Wilson, and Jeffrey Davis Jr. I mean, I think. I'm very curious to see what Marquise Wilson ends up doing. I think the guy has some talent, and I think yeah. that, uh, yes, that question you just put on the screen, yes, it most certainly is. I think that I, – and I, I'll never be able to prove this, but I just have a hard time not believing it, that, that when they – I know it was probably numbers-related, and they also – again, the kid had some speed. He has some talent, so I get wanting to try it, but when you had him play offense and defense for a season in 2021, I just can't help but wonder how much that set his – development back at both spots and specifically at corner which is where he yeah. came to Penn State so yeah I mean Marquise Wilson uh you know again did some nice things but he was never an all-conference pick which Storm Duck was at North Carolina um a season ago so yeah 100% a win there and I mean otherwise you know I think for Torma Malba from a numbers perspective you would have loved to hang on to him just because of what we talked about earlier in the show where numbers are a bit of a they're light at defensive tackle, just in terms yeah. of sheer number of players. So I think you would have liked to hold on to him, but he came to Penn State. He was raw. You know, I don't know. He was a big guy, but I'm not sure what his ceiling is ultimately. And then, you know, everybody else, it just it's a list of guys that just kind of got passed over on the roster in some respects or in other senses just didn't, uh, you know, didn't 
rise to the level uh, that's needed to play at Penn State. And I'm not sure if they were ever going to do that. I mean, a guy like Jeffrey Davis Jr. going to Stony Brook kind of tells you all you need to know. Rodney McGraw goes to Louisville. That gets him closer to home. So, yep. you know, Fatorma Mamba goes to West Virginia. Again, the Mountaineer is better than what I think some of our listeners giving them credit for, but still not currently in the same realm as Penn State. So we'll see. And then obviously uh, with Christian Baylor going to Pitt, you know, there's a chance that's a, a crowded quarterback room there to some degree now, but we'll have a chance to see what he can do there. So, you know, again, I think Penn State comes out ahead in this trade-off. And look, you're supposed to do that if you're a top 10 program and if you're someone with that is the caliber of Penn State, right? I mean, you should not be losing starters or top reserves to the transfer portal unless it's yeah. a guy like Christian who – you know, he wasn't going to beat off Drew Aller next season. I'm not sure if he was going to, you know, he, probably, he may have held off Prabula for the backup job. But, you know, I just don't know if, if you know, if what he hopes to accomplish in college football, he was going to be able to accomplish here. And quarterbacks to one position that's a little bit different than the rest. So, yeah. I mean, by and large, I, I just don't know if you look at any of these and say that Penn State is any kind of indictment on the state or the health of the program losing any of these guys or that they're going to, be in a worse position roster-wise next season because of it. Lambda here saying, is Storm Duck for Marquise Wilson a W? And as Greg said, I agree with that in terms of what you're bringing to the table. Marquise Wilson could play. Like, this is not a conversation saying Marquise Wilson is a bad football player, but Storm Duck, a veteran presence, I think uh, a little bit more diverse. I've talked about this in his film room. I've talked about it here, breaking news, other places. My opinion of him is that he brings a physicality that they have not had at that position um, in a little bit. And I talked about this. His run defense here's just a a thing about i like from his film that he is 200 pounds and he'll throw uh not just a shoulder in run defense like he'll fit a gap he'll come downhill and he'll tackle and uh, kalen king is a good is a is a really good tackler but he's it's it's different when you're almost linebacker size in modern football right he's got a safety body so that that level you're not you're not bringing him in for that, but just that physicality at the line of scrimmage in press when he can get his hands on guys. I think it brings a different quality than what Marquise Wilson brought, which is much more similar. It's a lot of sameness to uh, what Kalen King and uh, and Johnny Dixon have. So we'll get here to the, to the main reason I wanted you to have you on the live show this week is because there is a huge showdown at the BJC coming up on Friday. Number one, Penn State Wrestling versus number two, Iowa. Penn State just steamrolled the state of Michigan at home over the last weekend with a BJC duel against Michigan. Now this one is uh, presumably for all the marbles in the Big Ten between these two teams. So set the stage for us in terms of what fans need to know about uh, what's upcoming on Friday. Yeah, so obviously another big Penn State-Iowa showdown. T. Frank, Penn State fans, Penn State wrestling fans certainly know that these two schools have been the cream of the crop in the Big Ten for a number of years now, and Penn State has almost every year of the Kelsey Anderson era got the better of Iowa. But this is a fascinating duel on paper. I think Penn State wins at T. Frank, but I would say that there's at minimum five, if not six bouts that could go either way. There's upset potential both sides. There's bonus post point potential both sides. If you're not in State College, uh, one of the 16 or 17,000 people at the Bryce Jordan Center, I would highly recommend you get to your TV, watch this one on Big Ten Network, follow us with us, uh, follow along with us rather, uh, inside the Lions Den. 
message board in the wrestling room message uh, message board form if i can talk easy for me to say uh 8 30 p.m first match at the bryce jordan center in state college so should be a dandy t frank is going to be the talk of the college wrestling uh world all week it has been for uh months since the season was set and obviously penn state's going to get some home uh some home advantage with the fans at the bjc which obviously has often gone a long way uh for many of penn state sports programs and of course the wrestling team as well so what's the turning point and you mentioned a lot of close things what's the turning point of this match going to be um in your opinion what weight or what wrestler do you think is going to be a deciding factor yeah, fascinated a couple of these. Number one, I think when you look at the matchup at 141 pounds, uh, Real Woods from Iowa is number two in the country at last check. Let me just double check that because the rankings were updated today. I didn't get a chance to take a peek at him. But at last look, T. Frank, he was number two in the country. He continues to be. Bo Bartlett has shot up the rankings at uh, hit his new weight. Yeah, weight class, or at least new to this season, to uh, number four at 141 pounds. So, you have a top five matchup there that is one of those that could go either way. And obviously, I don't think either of these guys is scoring bonus points. So it should just be three points uh, one way or the other to the team score. But it's going to be a big three points because, again, when you look up and down the lineups here, I don't see many opportunities to swing this match with a pin. You know, obviously at 125, Spencer Lee, the tremendously talented 125-pounder for Penn State, is going to do everything he can to either beat Gary Steen by technical fall or fall and try and get Iowa five or six points in the team race and give them a good cushion to start. But other than that, you have a lot of these matches that could go either way. Real Woods and Bo Bartlett at 141 is certainly one of them. And then Max Dean and Jacob Warner at 197 pounds is another one. You know, again, when you get to that point in the match, the team score is likely to be either very close and or possibly tied. So uh, you're talking again about a match uh, a match in this dual meet that will help decide uh, which team comes out on top. So those are the two I'm in. I have my focus on T Frank, but there's numerous top three, top five and top 10 matchups. Uh, there will also be on display here. I can't wait for it personally. I know a lot of people uh, in the wrestling community and in the Penn state community at large are very excited about this and we'll see Kale Sanderson's team's, have almost always found a way to come out on top despite whatever odds or situations they have they might be facing. Uh, they're a multi-time Big Ten regular season chance for a reason, and it's on the line uh, tonight, obviously, or uh, Friday night, obviously. So the team was pretty tight-lipped today. So we're uh, live here on a Tuesday. They speak to the media on a Tuesday. Did you get the sense listening to uh, everyone's comments today? Heard from two wrestlers and from the assistant coach. Um, it felt like they were trying to both downplay and not say anything about the big match, given that it is such a, a titanic battle on Friday. Or what did you see if not that? I, I mean, I think the biggest thing, T. Frank, is just simply the fact that the way that Penn State approaches its uh, the way it approaches its practice and its competition is it does it in a way that is very steadfast and I mean, to borrow a term from James Franklin, I've never heard Kale Sanderson or his wrestlers utter this, but it's a very much want to know kind of mentality, you know, yep. where it's we need to do what we need to do in this practice during this specific specific part of practice, what have you, uh, to get ready for the match. And then we're going to go out there confident in our preparation, let it fly and see what happens. You know, we've heard Kale Sanderson talk about that frequently. So. You know, it's a very, yeah, it's a very understated and kind of a muted tone, but that's just kind of how they are. They'll talk that same way about, 
Ohio State next week when they go out there. They'll talk. They talked about that way uh, with Michigan last week at the BJC. They'll talk about the Big Ten tournament like that. They'll talk about nationals like that. It's very much an even keeled approach. And it goes without saying that it's worked very extremely well uh, since Gail Sanderson has been here. So this program obviously has continued to reach new heights. And that approach and mindset is one of the biggest reasons why. A couple more individual wrestlers I want to talk about here before we get out of uh, before we get out of here. And by the way, again, if you have any questions, any comments about Penn State Wrestling um, that you want to throw in the chat, who do you think is the most what's the most exciting matchup for you coming up this uh, this this Friday evening. And if you're watching yeah. on replay, throw that in the, uh, throw that in the comments as well. What you're looking forward to the most, uh, Levi Haynes. I don't think that there's been any wrestler where there've been more questions about Levi Haynes at 157 than there have been all season long. So what is, what's been your view of this, uh, situation with Terrell Bearclaw and Levi Haynes? And, and what is, do, do we have clarity here after last weekend? We don't, I don't think, no, because they wrestled him <laughs> in his last match before he can have his red shirt burn. So for those who may not be familiar with wrestling, football, as everyone here I'm sure knows, you can play it in four games, and when you play in your fifth, you burn your red shirt. In wrestling, you can wrestle in up to five matches, and when you wrestle in your sixth, you burn your red shirt. So he's wrestled in five now. Penn State elected to not use the sixth match against uh, Michigan State. Terrell Barraclaw wrestled uh, in that match and lost. So I mean, if you're Penn State at this point, I wrote this last week on Friday after uh, Levi Haynes' big win uh, at the Bryce Jordan Center over Will Alam, which was an upset in terms of the rankings. Uh, not anymore, by the way. He's inside the top 10 now after that win. But I just, you know, you have to decide. I think Cody Sanderson said it today. You heard him say it, T. Frank. Cody Sanderson, the associate head coach or assistant head coach. I can't remember. Long time uh, Penn State assistant. Of course, Cody uh, is the brother of Kale. But, you know. When you look at uh, the decision here, you have to decide if we're going to burn this guy's red shirt. Is he going to have a legitimate chance to compete at the national tournament? And is he is this using him the best for the program now, or would you rather him uh, three or four, you know, three years from now, four years from now, uh, be able to compete for you five years from now, whatever it might be? So, you know, that's what they have to decide. I mean, to me, I think it's clear that this guy can compete with just about anybody in the country. Uh, he was, you know, wrestled a. a college heavy schedule uh, in open tournaments his senior year of high school so he got his feet wet before even getting here and i mean 157 has some good wrestlers uh, uh t frank but i mean outside of peyton rob at nebraska uh and you know you have some other guys who are still unbeaten as well but i mean it's not like this weight contains in my opinion a true absolute stud hammer uh, outside of Peyton Robb. Uh, and I don't think his career credentials match up to what some of the other number one ranked wrestlers in the country have in their weight classes. So I, don't, I guess my point here is I don't think there's any doubt he could compete at the national tournament. So I don't see any reason to not wrestle him moving forward, but to answer your question. No, no clarity at this point in time. Am excited to see him on the mat though. On uh, Friday, if Penn State decides to go that direction, you know, clearly they have a decision to make there. I'm assuming Kobe Seabrook's going to wrestle for Iowa. He's number 15. And again, uh, if it's not Levi Haynes and it's Barracall, that's, again, one of these matches that could go either way. And it'll go either way regardless of which one wrestles. But, you know, I think Penn State will be favored if it's Haynes and not if it's Barracall. So we'll see what they decide to do. But if they wrestle him on Friday, then, yeah, he's the guy moving forward. No doubt about it, uh, barring injury, of course. So, And then the match I'm most excited for, I think it has to be Woods-Bartlett. Bartlett has looked so much more comfortable and confident ever since making the move back to 141 this year. He wrestled the last two seasons at 149 because uh, national champion Nick Lee was, of course, occupying the 141-pound spot. So, you know, 
that match is going to be a thriller. It's going to tell us a lot about Bartlett. It's going to tell us a lot about Woods, and I certainly can't wait to watch it. And then I mentioned it earlier, too, but Maxine against Jacob Warner is not only going to be a large factor in the match, but also a good indicator for future seedings once we get to national tournament time. Uh, Kent in the chat says any match with Carter Sirachi is amazing. So we got a, a vote for Sirachi. Alex Facundo is somebody else you mentioned earlier this week uh, in some of your stuff at bluewhiteillustrated.com. You called him the real deal. So superstar, the next um, Bo Nickel. Like what, what, what are you looking at when you mean he's the real deal? Yeah, I mean, I just think that as a redshirt freshman, you never know for sure what you're getting when a guy makes that next jump up. I think we all had a pretty good idea that we were going to be talking about Alex Facundo as a guy that uh, would really climb the rankings fast. But T. Frank, in his last uh, in the last intermat rankings, he was number sixteen. Today he's number five, and of course that comes because of the fact that he, uh, you know, wrestled very extremely well uh, against Cameron Amin, upset the Michigan wrestler on Friday night, and and jumps ahead of him in the ranking. So you know, there's a lot of movement to still come with these rankings. They bounce around a good bit this time of year, but Facundo showed us, I think, what many of us expected, but now have uh, actual proof to point to that he is the real deal. He's a guy that has taken a huge step. Uh, between his freshman season and now. And so that's the question that to go back to Haynes, you have to wrestle with, not pun intended. But I mean, you know, do you, they probably, you know, I'm sure at some point or another, they maybe thought they could wrestle Facundo last year. And that, that just turned out to not be the case. They rolled with what they had at 165 and, you know, for good reasons. But, you know, I don't know if they have that luxury this year. They certainly could if they want to. But, I just, you know, like there's a difference between Barracle and Haynes. There just is. Barracle is a good wrestler. But Haynes seems to have a little bit more juice. So, Facundo, you know, did obviously the red shirt track. And that clearly worked out well for him. He's improved. He's made great strides and leaps and bounds. And that helped him significantly. So, yeah, I just think that I was very impressed by what he showed to win that match on Friday night. Well, with a true freshman pushing for playing uh, for for wrestling time and a redshirt freshman that Greg Pickle thinks is the real deal, sounds like uh, Penn State set up for another four years of success with with wrestling. So, uh, all signs pointing to uh, what? What do you think this weekend? Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, Penn State stays on top. Iowa pulls the upset. What's your last thing we're getting out of here on this? What's your prediction for uh, Friday night? I don't have a score prediction yet. I'm going to save that for Friday at BlueWayDoStraight.com when we do our preview. And I'm not holding out on you, YouTube audience. I truly don't know yet. I've gone back and forth on it a few times, you know, and depending on where you think there could be bonus points, I, I could have this match anywhere, 1918 Penn State to like 2216, something like that. I mean, I just see so many toss-up bouts, and I haven't dove into it enough. Yet, I mean, I, I think Penn State wins. I do. I think that they have enough to overcome what is almost certainly going to be bonus points for Iowa at 125 pounds. And I think that they'll be able to win enough matches, score enough bonus points uh, along the way, or at least at one or two weights uh, to win this match. But in terms of the score, T. Frank, I, I'm still debating that. But I think if I can impress anything on the listeners that this is going to be a close match and it really could truly go either way. I just lean towards Penn State being at home, knowing how often Cale Sanderson has pulled these things out. His wrestlers have pulled these things out. I think you'd be foolish to pick against Penn State. But if you think it's going to be a blowout, think again, because that doesn't appear to be in the cards. And all, as always, hang out with Greg during uh, the dual meet, bluewhiteillustrated.com during the Lions Den or over in the wrestling room. Greg, thanks so much for coming on and spending some time with us here on YouTube. Always appreciate you and, uh, and all you do for the site. 
All right. Hey, good time with you, T. Frank, as always. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Uh, Steven, uh, got here in the 11th hour. Am I wrong? Wrestling rankings are more informed than football rankings. Give me five. Give me, give me 10 seconds on that before we get going, Greg. Um, I don't necessarily know about that. I mean, I think that the coaches poll probably carries a little bit more weight in wrestling than it does football. I also think that there's a lot more. Uh, yeah, there's, I, I don't know. I don't if inf- the word inform doesn't feel quite right to me. Do I feel like they're more reliable and maybe that's a synonym? I don't know. Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, the preseason ones generally align a little bit better with the actual things that happen, uh, compared to football. But I also think that the one big difference is that, you know, the again, this is important, but you don't get the seating info until the end of the season when the seating is needed. I think right. college football does itself such a disservice with putting its rankings out, the playoff rankings early. And I get fans get frustrated with the AP top 25 and the coaches poll and all that. We can go down that road forever. But, you know, I do think college football, the, the selection committee does itself such a disservice or as other sports don't do that. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if informs quite the right word. Maybe it is, but I do think they're more reliable. That'll do it for the BWI Daily Edition, I promise this time. It's not Lord of the Rings. We're not doing three endings. Subscribe, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Make sure you like the video. Subscribe here on YouTube. We will be back tomorrow. I'm so excited for this, Greg. We have our latest recruit who is going to be on the show, and he is awesome. Anthony Specka and I sat down earlier today on Tuesday, and uh, we're having that conversation come to you tomorrow on Wednesday. You do not want to miss this one. He is an awesome interview. He gave us a ton of time, so make sure you're here tomorrow, 7 p.m., Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. We will talk to you then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.